Welcome to the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest. My name is Sam Clements and this is the podcast that celebrates films with a 90 minute or less runtime. In each episode, a guest will select a film and join me to add to our ongoing fictional film festival. Well, usually. Today, as a celebration of making under 90 minute movies, we are delighted to shine the spotlight on director Charlotte Reagan, a filmmaker who has made many under 90 minute films, including her latest film, debut feature film, Scrapper. Hello, Charlotte. Hi. Thank you so much for talking to us today, Charlotte. Especially like, I mean, we're in the in the run up to the UK release of Scrapper, so it must be like, how, what's it feel like when you see posters for your film on the tube and in cinemas, and it's sort of I don't know, it's sort of out there now. Yeah, nice, no, super cool. Um, I try not to think about it too much, which is like not a very cool answer. Um, but I'm trying to start like a challenge where people send me photos of their dogs in front of the posters because that would bring me, I've had three of them so far. And that is bringing me, when people send me a selfie, I'm like, I do, cool, thanks, but where's the dog? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want to see the dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, send oh, a picture. Dog-friendly dog. cinema is so popular now. Um, we're in a cinema right now where we're recording who's been you know, doing dog-friendly Oppenheimer and Barbie. Dog-friendly Scrapper. That's what we want to see. Yeah, yeah, great time. Oppenheimer is a bold one for the dogs, isn't it? Three hours. I think they might have had an unofficial intermission to let the dogs go out and okay, do nice. business. Okay, nice. Because it's, you know, it's only fair, I think. It is fair. Chris would be fuming, but... Yeah, yeah, don't, sure. don't, don't tell nobody tell Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> someone who watches films goes to the cinema, does a film's runtime uh, ever affect what you're going to go and watch? No, not really. I mean, I saw Oppenheimer and loved Oppenheimer, but... In general, if they're like three hours long, I'm like, oh, good, really? Am I going to watch a three-hour film? Like, that is a big commitment. Uh, but no, more with short films, weirdly. Whenever I'd go to short film festivals, if they were more than like 12 minutes, I would be absolutely devastated for some reason, which is so weird because they're such a short yeah. format. But I love like snappy short films. But features, nice, chill, unless it's over like two and a half hours and not Oppenheimer, then it gets a bit cheeky, doesn't it? Sometimes films just feel like they're long for the sake of being long. Like, the story didn't need to be this long, guys. You know, I don't want to be the audience member giving notes, but maybe you could have cut a few things for me. Yeah, surely. You like, got a brutal editor in just to cut 20 minutes out, no doubt. Yeah, even Oppenheimer, I was like, come on, Chris Bosch, you could have... Like, 20 minutes. 10 minutes yeah. of, like, killing, looking cinematic could have been cut out of this 100%. Yeah. <laughs> What I love about your work is actually talking about the short, snappy films. You know, you've done music promos, you've done short films, you've told loads of stories under a, you know, in a really, really short uh, runtime, which I, as someone who doesn't make films, that feels particularly challenging. But what do you look for? You know, like What's the most important thing for you as a filmmaker when making a very short piece of work, like a short or, or a music promo? I suppose it just makes you think about like every frame a little bit more, especially in a music video, like every frame really matters because you've got so little time to connect to people or like make people follow a particular narrative or whatever. And often you have to use 50% of that for like a singer looking cinematic in front of like a, you know, a flashing tube light or something. So <laughs> a lot of it's wasted, you know. Um, so yeah, it just makes you think about every frame a little bit more, I think, and not be as like, slow and yeah i don't know i like i quite like snappy things and things that like have a quick pace to them i also think there's a real art to telling a story in you know two minutes three minutes 84 minutes you know like that sort of like shorter runtime you really have to 
think about you know how you're using the audience attention and like you know what you're trying to tell to them in that like brief window you have with them yeah yeah proper like i just yeah in awe of like music video directors who can make you really connect to a story within three minutes that like, i think is such a big achievement and almost easier with a long film in in some ways there's so much more time for audiences to connect with your character and to hate them obviously <laughs> but you know not, yeah. so which scrapper you know this is your first feature film which you wrote also I was wondering, you know, what's your what's it look like when when you're writing a film? You know, what's what's the kicking off point, and then like your day to day in in, a, in you know, when you're writing? I don't know really. Um, just like avoid it until it is absolutely <laughs> necessary. Like I will clean the kitchen four times. I will go and play basketball for hours, and then be like, oh, I should have done a page really, shouldn't I? Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. Writing's such a weird mix of being like mad joyful, but also like the worst part of the process in so many ways because it's like any anything is possible I kind of love being on set or sometimes in the edit where the problems have like a, a limited amount of solutions I guess or you have to think like quite quickly as we're writing things can be anything which mm. is like quite an alarming like big thought I guess yeah the joy is you can do anything but the terrible thing is you can do anything and where do you begin <laughs> when you can do anything yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> just you don't you clean the kitchen <laughs> yeah do you, do you sort of have like an outline with a beginning, middle and end sort of planned out and you're working to those sort of guides or or is it, you know, I've got a beginning and we'll just see where the story goes? Oh, yeah, no, I'll have like um, like a full notebook that I would have been working on for each film for like a, a year or two. And then I will only sit down to actually do a draft when I have all those notes, because I find if I get stumped at some point, then I, I can't get back into it. But if you have all those notes, there's always something you can kind of flow into, mm. even if it's like a boring scene that you're not like, engaged in. Just the act of writing it can sometimes help. You, we knew this was going to be a feature, but did you have an idea of how long it might be? You know, when, when did you start thinking about that runtime? Um, no, I never really. I mean, it was like 120 pages and the, the length can really be put down to like our editor, Billy, who came onto the project quite late, who's like a comedy editor. He does the great and he did like four lines. Oh, wow, He's nice. incredible. But he really cut it down. Like before he came on, it was maybe, I don't want to make things up, but I feel like it was two hours. I mean, it still needed stuff cut out of it, so it was going to be shorter, but he is all about like, if something's not earning its place, then mm. cut to the point where sometimes we'd be like, Billy, give it, you know, if we go under 80, people start to be quite judgmental, so you've got to... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but he's so snappy and so good with like, just the pace between the edit we were on previously to when he came on and did that edit was like insane. Yeah, so it's all, it's really down to him. But no, we'd never really thought about the length. We'd always just thought it would be between, you know, 85 and 100, yeah, was our guest guesstimate, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to tell, isn't it, when you just see a pile of paper, you know, or your document. Yeah. You're like, well, I might cut some scenes, or I might add some inserts, or it might be some really long, you know, like establishing shots that we don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> really yeah. long credits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really long. <laughs> Everyone's got a single car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My dog, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When you get to the edit suite and, and you are sort of like shaving off the edges and sanding things down, do you sort of like that process as you see the, the film take a different form sort of like every session? Yeah, yeah. I, I really like that, like, it's that thing again of like problems have a certain number. It's like a jigsaw, you know, and there's a certain amount of solutions for the problems. And also you have to come to terms with like, you just fuck this up and that's that, you know. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's nothing, you know, any editor could do to fix this. You f***. 
I kind of like that, like harsh reality. <laughs> kind of. Staring your work in the eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, you f*** it, let's all just accept it. Yeah, it's kind of a nice kind of, it's a nice moment where then you stop thinking someone will be able to fix this and you start to look outside of that for solutions, I guess, yeah. Do you notice things in the edit that you didn't notice on set, like when you're watching, you know, all these different takes and like, oh, actually... Yeah, there was a bit of improv here we didn't notice or, or something. Yeah, yeah, loads for sure, especially like hectic days where, yeah, you just like totally blank out what was happening or forget what was happening. It's really nice to uh, re-watch. I feel like I've heard, who is it that does mad edits? Sean Baker takes six months off, does he, before he does an edit so that it's all fresh when he watches? Am I making that up? No, I think you're right, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, but it's fun re-watching things that you forgot you even shot and some of them you're like, oh, what a gem, and some of them, you're like, that is absolutely shocking. God knows what happened that day. <laughs> yeah. I think as a, you know, a fan of the film and someone who's watching the movie, the chemistry between Harris and Lola is so good. You're, you're two stars um, of the film. Like, did you, what, what was it like when you were working with them on set? You know, do you, do you let them improvise? Do they, do they stick rigidly to the script? <laughs> What's that sort of process like? Yeah, loads, loads of improv for sure. I really love improv. I think it like, has such an energy to it that like isn't always suited to a scene but a lot of scenes it just elevates them uh, especially someone like Lola she is like incredible at improv and all the not auditions but all the sessions we did with her in the lead up was always like was always improv I never would give her a scripted dialogue to read because I was just like I just want you to to make it your own you know um so yeah her and Alan would like bounce off each other incredibly and Harris would improv too but often Lola is so elite at improv, like she's like next level. And we would put her up against actors that were incredible and they would be like, oh, like she's just so witty that everyone else needs a moment to process, but Lola's just like bang. Um, so, Keeps yeah. everyone on their toes. Yeah, she's amazing, yeah, yeah. I guess at that point you need to be like, no, actually that's that's really good. Let's keep, go down, like go down that route for that scene. And like, you need to sort of improv as a director a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, and make her stick to moments that are great. And often she wouldn't, she would on purpose, like be like, no, I'm not saying it again. Um, or make her be a bit less like, she would just make up like these just terrible dark moments of improv that would have to be like lovely, but <laughs> for a different film, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very dark humour. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. I think um, her performance is so good, and I'm sure she's going to have a big career ahead of her. But what, how did you feel when you you found her and you cast your your lead character in Lola? Oh uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like just meeting her is an experience, you know. And she quickly became like someone who was like super important to all of us everyone on the crew f found that you know um she's just like so yeah so like likable in a way that you don't meet in kids often just because she's like a grandma not a child you know and some <laughs> of the stuff she says and like demands for a cup of tea at all hours of the day um so yeah that that was like the big moment where me and Fia were like oh we're gonna make a film now that we've because until you find Georgie mm -hmm. it's all like hopefully we're gonna film this year but if we don't find Georgie what's the point we're not gonna take someone who's not right for it but when we met her and saw her tape she was just like magical for sure yeah like lightning in a bottle <laughs> yeah yeah she's incredible and how how did Harris come on board is he someone you had in mind already or, or yeah, was it later in the process yeah I'd worked with him before so um and we'd stayed in touch and I kind of knew he was like an incredible human being and great to be around and had a great energy obviously he's like an incredible actor as well he came on maybe a bit after we 
met Lola because we always wanted to do Georgie first and, and then base Jason around that character. Mm. Uh, but as soon as we kind of spoke to him about it, we kind of couldn't imagine anyone else doing it. And he was like such a, yeah, he was great with Lola and Alan, you know, he's like Alan's idol now. Lola wow. does like him, but she's like, mm, it's all right. You know? <laughs> he's my co-star. <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah. No, they get on great, yeah. <laughs> How did you prepare with, with Harris um, you know, before and what did you talk to him about? And I guess also for briefing him on how to work with Lola, knowing what Lola's like. Yeah, I, I kind of didn't brief him. I thought it was his own relationship to, to navigate because she had a different dynamic with everyone, if you know what I mean. So it was hard to know how she was going to respond to him and how that might differ to me. So I didn't want to give him any like pre warnings or whatever so that he would try and imitate whatever. Um, they did a week of rehearsal, but Lola like mostly refused to rehearse. She like would just read everything out really monotone. So they spent most of the week just like messing around and chatting and the conversations with Harris were about character. You know, he had the involvement in the script and in Jason's character in, in like a really great way where um, he just took like an amazing ownership of Jason for sure, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you hear sort of filmmakers and actors talking about recommending people watch a movie or, yeah, did you do any of that stuff? Did you have any like recommended film viewing for, for your, your cast? No, 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 it's not really my, not really my vibe, especially for like Lola and Alan, I would like, Lola, like letterboxed while asking her her four favourites and stuff. And I was like, Lola, this is like really trendy. You have to do this. Like, this is a big thing. Everyone loves it on Instagram. And, and she was like, EastEnders. And I was like, oh, Lola. <laughs> Like, they're not going to rate you. The community's not going to rate you. I was like, I'll give you some names. Just repeat them and then everyone will... And she's like, no, EastEnders. So if I would have recommended the film, I very much doubt she would have watched it. Um, she'd be watching EastEnders. 100%. <laughs> takes precedent over all films. Yeah, 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 for sure. You film on location uh, quite a lot. I was wondering, what's that like? Do you sort of have people sort of trying to, like, sneak a peek of what you're doing? Is that distracting? Do you have people trying to get in shot? Or does it not really matter to you? Oh, uh, yeah, no, because we were on Limes Farm Estate for so long, we just became, like, part of the park, you know, and they would, like, could not care less that we were... In a great way, they were so welcoming, and a lot of them were involved in the film and in the film, but they just, yeah, we were, like, a piece of furniture. They'd all walk past us in the morning, just really not caring about what we were doing. I think it's only exciting when you're on location where people see you for like half an hour because they're like, yeah. oh, what could that possibly be? And then they're like, oh, it's an indie film. Oh, no one cares. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you stand around and watch your film set for long enough, you do kind of clock how like boring it is. It's just like watching a load of people faff over a lens or something for 20 minutes is pretty dry, isn't it? Yeah, unless like Matt Damon's there or something. Hi, sorry, that's my bike. <clears throat> Um, hi there. We were just making sure that all of these bikes were road safety. And we were just walking by. Oh, yours isn't, by the way. We were just walking by and we just... Yeah, we thought it looked a bit... You know? Yeah. Guys, I should probably go get that serviced or something. Yeah, yeah, full service. You can never be too careful. The film had its world premiere at Sundance earlier this year and, and you're sort of in that, I guess, the tail end now when finally 
coming out to cinemas but what's it like being told you're gonna take your film to Sundance or its premiere oh yeah nice it's really incredible I was with my friend Fraser who's like so film festival obsessed when they called to tell me yeah like it's it's a privilege to make a first feature and it's great that we have a system in the UK where you can take risks on new filmmakers like we can here but then to get in somewhere like Sundance is like insane it's like somewhere I've gone with my shorts and always wanted to continue being a part of like that family and that kind of community so it was pretty mad yeah yeah like yeah, the actual premiere do you sit in and watch the film with the crowd what's what's going on with you um, <laughs> on that night <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I watched it with Lola because um, it was the first time we'd watched it together, I think. I mostly look at the floor, so I don't really watch it. And then what happened? 20 minutes in, two women in front of me walked out and my friend Fraser was next to me. And I think he was like, I think I just heard them say they have to go somewhere. There's an emergency. And I was like, don't lie, Fraser. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Lola really enjoyed it, which was all that mattered. I think the importance Absolutely. was on like, yeah, I've always just wanted her to like the film. That felt much bigger than anything else. Everything else is like a bonus because she's the one who's like got to live with this, mm. like being connected to her for the rest of her life. And school kids are evil, right? So... <laughs> It's great that she loved it and felt proud of it, you know. That's such a big thing about going to America to like premiere your film at a major film festival. Like she'll be buzzing. <laughs> she was, yeah, yeah. And more so about the pancakes. We had to go for <laughs> pancakes every morning. Wow. And then she would order them and there'd be a massive stack of them. And she'd be like, I'm gonna eat them all. And like halfway through one pancake, she'd be like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> so that was all she was excited about. The other stuff, she was like, oh. Yeah, I don't really care. And someone would come up to her in the street and be like, I loved your performance. And she'd be like, oh, creepy, creepy. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think she's the ideal candidate for that kind of, which I think is great. She's very grounded. And I think that's like super important with young performers that like we have a real habit of like really messing up kind of young actors that get into the industry too young. And I think Lola being as grounded as she is and not buying into kind of the empty hype mm. is like, like such a relief and a great thing. So what we like to do at our film festival, we're a fictional film festival, we only show under 90 minute films, but we always like to ask our guests, you know, where they'd like to premiere their film in an ideal world. So if I could like, I guess, give you a blank check and a cinema, um, you know, where would you like to show Scrapper? Oh, it's like a, do you know what? I think the Holloway Odeon. Nice. It's like, <laughs> is my ultimate. My nan used to like sneak me in there like once a year on my birthday to like watch films for free because you could like go in past the staff around a different exit. And she like took me to Lord of the Rings by accident there when I was like super young, way oh, wow. too young to watch Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and I've always loved that cinema. They've done it up a bit and I mm. much preferred it when it was like, grotty as hell like it felt like there would be like mice under your feet but now it's like a bit posh but it's still my iconic so maybe with a blank check actually we'll, we'll take it back in time you know take away yeah if you could drop that cash or just in that space up yeah. yeah i love it we'll make it sort of old school cinema sticky floors <laughs> yeah 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 bring the pick and mix back all that sort of stuff they probably Proper, have. ideal yeah she'd <laughs> pocket all the pick and mix you can't do that anymore it's not ah, that much okay, so we'll though. do it we'll make sure the pick and mix is pocketable <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, i think that's i think that's a good i think that's a good call. where's that's yours it. what would yours be i'm uh so when i was younger i worked at the ritzy in brixton and screen one at Ritzy is, is amazing. It's old, like Art Deco style, and every film looks good in there. So if someone could let me show a film in that screen. That would be the one. Okay, nice. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm saying. Actually, we were, you know, we'd like to ask about snacks. So your snack would be pick and mix. 
Uh, any other sort of treats you'd like to have on, on standby for Scrapper? Pick and mix. Oh, I used to have snacks, but my friend Fraser's not into snacks and he's the one I go cinema with. He's quite a strict cinema guy. But you know who you should ask about this bloody... Harris Dickinson, you've never seen a man bring so many snacks into the cinema. We went to see Past Lives the other day, and I was like, brother, it's not this kind of film. Like, you've got to shut up and be quiet. We're watching Past Lives here. This is the film of the year, and it needs silence and respect. And he's got a whole Whole Foods bag. He's whipping out, like, chocolates. He's whipping out savoury snacks. He's got, like, free drink options. It's just... Like way he's gone too far, That's I think. Too far. He's like, just, I, a little bit. It's all gone to his head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the he's opposite of Lola. Gotta chill out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. If Harris Dickinson wants to come along, he can bring us all food. That's <laughs> yes. fine. We'll, yes. we'll allow that. Yes. Uh, but he'll be missing out on all the fun cinema snacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Charlotte, for speaking to us today, Thank for making you. this wonderful 84-minute long film. <laughs> so few new films are under 90 minutes, um, so what it's always ones, a treat. What other ones are recently that are under that? I feel like I saw... Can you think of anything? Uh, you sure you can, because you do Yeah, awesome. like, a lot of animations are, like, okay. the um, Illumination, sort of Minions, that sort of stuff is. Okay, nice. And, like, a few, like, lot, a lot of indie films at Sundance, but they don't always get cinema releases. Yeah, But yeah. the ones that sort of come out on Fridays, they're always two and a half hours. Are they? <laughs> Talk To Me recently was, like, 93, I think. Okay, That's nice. pretty good. That was a good length. I love that. <laughs> what was Ninja Turtle? Was that felt sure? That was like, yeah, like 92, 93. Those are, those are the right, but they, they, they could shave off three minutes. <laughs> they did perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, awesome. But thank you so much. And no, I look forward to speaking you. to you soon. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Or, if you've got a mo, share an episode with your friends. Every recommendation helps. You can contact us on our website, 90minfilmfest.com, and on Twitter and Instagram, at 90minfilmfest. The podcast is produced by me, Sam Clements, and Louise Owen. It's edited by Louise Owen, with sound mixing and additional editing by Luke Smith. Our music is by Martin Ostwick, and our artwork is by Sam Gilby. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. We're a proud member of the Stripped Media Network.